Hey everybody, welcome to Buzzing About Romance. I am Becky, and I am super excited that my friend Jenny is here. Hey Jenny. Hey Becky. Um, so on this episode of Buzzing About Romance, Jenny and I are going a little unscripted. Just a little. There's been a lot of things happening in the book world, a lot of different topics. Um, and for this one, we are going to really focus on reviews and Goodreads. And so this episode is going to be a little bit kind of like therapy, book therapy for me and Jenny. <laughs> yes. Um, I don't have a romance term of the week. Do you have a romance term of the week or anything? Oh, no. No? Off the top of my head, no. Okay. I didn't, I forgot to write one down. So, hey, if you guys have any terms that you would like us to clear, uh, clarify, or you would like our, our personal definitions, send us the words and we will start featuring them on episodes. We did that last week with uh, Gretchen and um, Golden Retriever Energy. Yes. Um, so, Jenny, there's a lot going on in the book world. There is, and unfortunately, not a lot of it's positive. No, and it feels like every other day. Okay, so one of the things that I have to say, and it's the good to the bad of book talk. Like we talk at length on many different episodes about our thoughts on book talk. But one of the things that we are seeing, it seems that the book world and the way the book world behaves is being pushed out into mainstream media. Yes. And again, it's not like we do not look like civilized people or uh, intelligent people or nice people or somebody you would want to uh, be friends with. Yeah, like it's really interesting to me how much um, like the, the outside world must really think we're a bunch of like terrible people. Yeah, like... Because I try to like run it by my husband sometimes like to get his viewpoint um, as a like semi outsider. Um, and most of the time he's just confused and thinks people are petty. Yeah. So there was recently you sent me an article from the Washington Post that talked about Goodreads bombing. Oh, yes. Like giving an author like horrible reviews even if you haven't um read the book based solely on be behavior right so now we all know my stance reviews are for readers authors need to stay out of freaking reviews and it seems that a lot of people have taken away in order to hold an author accountable for bad behaviors and missteps, they take to Goodreads and will give a star rating, like a one star, and then basically word vomit every misdeed that author has done. Right. It becomes about their person and not their book. Yeah. And... I'm not sure that that's the appropriate space to do it. It is a searchable space to do it. Um, and I guess for me, I think that 
if you feel so called that an author has stepped so far out of bounds, that then maybe the place to do it is to start a blog. Yeah. Yeah. Those and are searchable. Own, yeah. And that's your own space. You can say what you want. But there are books being tanked that haven't even gone to press. Yeah, or, right. <laughs> Be, just because, and and I'm not saying that the authors aren't, shouldn't be held accountable for their behaviors. But when we review a book, so we should be reviewing on the merits of that book, on the merits of the writing style, on the story they told. Now, if there's inherent racism in the book and it comes out that that author has in the past had very racist behaviors, then you can link to that. But those, but going into someone's Goodreads for a book that's not even published and being like, I heard that this book has this, this, and this in it, but you haven't even read it. I don't, I don't know. Yeah, it's, it's definitely not the place. Like we've kind of related books to other artworks in the past. Like if I think of a painting, I'm not going to critique the painting based on the behavior or the beliefs of the artist. Right. Right. Like we all know Pablo Picasso was a man whore and a misogynist. And, but when I look at his painting in my critique, I am not writing those things. I'm instead talking about his use of color, his use of cubism and how he interpreted and defined that subject. Right. And if you haven't looked at the painting you can't make those observations. No. And and I reviews are so frustrating for me. I I am definitely there because I have not wrote a review. I feel like I'm leaning into months now because I've just been so frustrated with but it. But there's fear. So I am an honest reviewer. I am honest to a fault in my thoughts on a book. And You know, guys, I've had a lot of bad interactions with authors. I have had incredibly rude authors. I've had authors that have ghosted us. We have had authors that have used us and gone on to use us as a stepping stone in their career. I am not taking to the Goodreads and saying, author Sarah super because I don't want to say Smith because there is an author named Sarah Smith and she did nothing Mm -hmm. wrong but I don't want to say author Jane Doe did xx and x to buzzing about romance podcast or did xx and x to bookcase and coffee blog and therefore you should not be picking up their books I'm not doing that because that's not that space right that is correct I mean do I think that author Jane Doe is fucking incredibly unprofessional (laughs) a thousand percent did they want free labor from me a thousand percent do i still feel they owe me an apology one million percent but i'm not for me i just don't read their books i will not review their books if i happen to own some of their books i delete them or give the paperbacks away yeah and this will come up with like some of the other topics we are probably going to touch on, but like in America, you so vote with your dollars, right? Right. So 
yeah, it's much easier. Just don't buy the book. Right. You don't need to be like a bitch online just because somebody made a really bad decision. And that's just it. Even if this author has a misstep. So like there was an author who called out a reviewer on TikTok because she rated an arc a four when the woman had 15, five, 15, five star ratings and the review of the four star took her average down. Not only did she blast the reviewer, she shared the reviewer's name and the reviewer, um, like it was an arc. And again, right. the author was like blasting it out there. That author screwed up, right? Like that author should not have been in that space. That did not belong to them. But the person that should have been the one to handle it was not the 12 million TikTok viewers that then took to Goodreads to be like, this author is not a good person. This author blasted a reviewer. Do not read this author's book. And, you know, it, it shouldn't have been them. It should have been the reviewer having the power to go over to that author and be like, take your shit down. Right. Because, yeah, like you said, she didn't block out of any of the identifying information. Um, and this is a case where it did end up hurting her career. It did. Uh, the vanity press that she paid probably $25,000 to dropped her. And said she voided her contract with them and they don't owe her any money back. And she tried to spin it. I'm, I'm not saying the author's behavior was good. What I'm saying is, is why are we using Goodreads for space to do that? Right. We're, we're not retaliating any better. Right. Two wrongs do not make a right, you know. Yeah. And... I mean, I had an issue I shared. I saw a post on Instagram by an author who was blasting a reviewer who felt that the book went too far, that it was too much. It was an Amazon review. She did not block out the reviewer's name. She put that she would not apologize for taking her book too far, that that's how she writes and that's who she is. But also that reviewer had a verified purchase. Yeah, she already so got the money, so she move got, on. <laughs> yeah. Like, at, at what point do you say, um, knock it off? So in this instance, the author's behavior is terrible, and I called them out for it. This is why I do not want authors in reviewer spaces, because it also reflects down on us. Like, I know that Lori from What to Read Next podcast has gotten to the point that she does not review ARCs that she uses for interviews. Okay. And she stopped giving star ratings for fear of retaliation from these authors. Right. And you're not going to love every book you read, right? Yeah. You're just not. Yeah. And so, you know, I understand that authors, they want their hype teams. They want everybody to talk about how much they love the book. And they're paying some big money. And we've seen there's one TikToker that's charging $20,000 for three videos and a book club pick. Yeah. And we know that she's charging that much and authors are paying it in spades to her. And so, you know, 
we know that they want the hype. They want to be the next viral sensation. They want success. We want success. Right? I mean, I would love to say that this podcast is a paying gig and that, hey, look, Jenny, here's a salary for you. And guess what? You know, I don't have to worry about, you know, how much my groceries cost this week. Yeah. That's not my reality. You know, and if somebody reviews us poorly, I do know that, like, we've had some not favorable reviews on our podcast. I'm not looking at them. I'm not seeking them out. I'm not seeing who said they didn't love us. Because, again, we're not everyone's cup of tea. Yeah, that's that's the truth. <laughs> and and my behaviors, maybe people think my behaviors are out of line. And if that's the truth, fine. That's fine. Right. Um, I just, there, so why do you think authors are retaliating against reviewers? I'm not sure if it's a control thing. Like they feel like this is like one area that they can control more than others or I know for me personally, like I, I get the guilt, like I get the guilty feeling. So they like, I feel like they're preying on my feelings of like how I'm at, like actually feel about the book. Cause I don't want to hurt their feelings. Right. Um, I, yeah, I, I have guilt, you know, I am very friendly with Sawyer Bennett, but her last release, Hendrix, I didn't love, it was a three star, well-written, just the characters. I just didn't love them. It didn't resonate with me. Do I feel guilt for three starring that review? Yeah, I do. But do you know what? Not, not Sawyer. Not anyone from her team came to me and said, hey, can you take that down? Now, did I do it at release? I absolutely did not put that review up at right. release. I waited a couple, I waited a week to make sure that she got all the hype she wanted. And then I put my release, it put my review down there. I have no problem waiting to do that if I was provided a free copy. Yeah, that's fair. Um, You know, I love Jay Salmon's books. I've loved, you know, two previous three previous series she wrote i'm not in love with this series i dnf'd book one and i decided not to read book two and the last book of the boston billionaires i ended up um i think that was a three star for me also and she has a book that's coming out we're recording this on sunday she has a book coming out on monday i'm gonna give it a try one it's a character i really want to see right yes i think a lot of us do and two, you know, maybe it was me. Maybe I was in a mood and it wasn't working for me. And now here's a chance for me to retry, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's so often like what is going on in your real world affects the way or perspective that you read a book. I DNF Julie's book and I marked it as a DNF and I reviewed it as a DNF. You know, I didn't get one word back from her. We're friendly. We talked. I'm going to, she's going to be on a podcast later this fall um, with her author bestie. And we're going to have a great conversation and I would do anything she asked me to do. Right. I heard nothing from her. She very easily could have been in my DMs and been like, hey, you didn't like my book. What the fuck, Becky? But she didn't. You know why? Because she's a professional. And that seems to be something that a lot of authors seem to lack is the wall of professionalism. 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and a lot of authors are readers too, right? So, but you've got to be able to separate the two, like, uh, I don't know how to explain it well, but you've got to be able to like see yourself as you see other authors. So, okay. So Goodreads, it's scary to put reviews out there. There is fear of retaliation. Um, You know, I tend to do a shorter review on Goodreads and put full emotion in my reviews over on our website because you're only going there if you're searching exactly for something I wrote, right? I mean, mean, you might find me on the web, but you're looking for a review of that book. Yes. So... I feel like it's it, it's just a little bit more of an intentional search than an accidental search. So I try to keep my Goodreads reviews vague. Now, if you want my full out, bare to the bones opinion on a book, then you should listen to our Should You Read It's in our Patreon. Yes. Because I do not hold back. <laughs> I do not. Um, and so... I think, do you think that Amazon, as this space is changing, because that was something in that article from the New York Times or the Washington Post, wherever you went said, was, um, do you think Goodreads will change how reviews work? That's an interesting question, especially since they are, like, owned by Amazon. Um, yeah, that's, I don't know. Do you think it will change to like, so if you review a book on Amazon, if you have purchased it or borrowed it from KU and returned it, you will be labeled verified purchase underneath. Oh, like on Goodreads you would be? Yeah. Do you, mm. th- well, that doesn't, that happens on an Amazon review. Right. But do you think do you Goodreads, think they- do you think Goodreads should in- institute something like that, that we would have to put like. Basically, so like I have shelves for Goodreads, right? Like I have my different. Do you think we have to verify what status, how we got this book? Yeah, because that's what I was like. I mean, you can get the book from various different sources. And then like, how do you verify that somebody has a paper copy or. Right. But I mean, maybe you have to to review a book that hasn't been released yet. Maybe you have to have a code. Yeah. Or something or reviews can't be put because like on Amazon, we can't review a book until it is available for sale. Or maybe it's something that they work with authors with where the author gives the list of, hey, these are the Kindle addresses that we gave ARCs to. Yeah. So these are the ones that because I mean, most people have if you're reading ARCs, you have your Goodreads like connected you have to, to have your it Amazon. public. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there's also the in, there's also the thing. There's also the pieces that identifying what kind of reviewer are you. That's something I wish more people would do. Book reviewers over on TikTok that are doing teasers and stuff are not marking their TikToks as paid promotions or partnership advertising or sponsored posts. They aren't. Right. But, you know, maybe that's a thing that we have to do on Goodreads now where we have to verify, um, you know, I am a professional reviewer. So, like, I get sometimes we get arcs from NetGalley. And I have to go into NetGalley and I have to put what kind of reviewer I am. Am I a blogger? Mm 
Well, we're not. We're a podcast. So we're actually considered media. And there are certain books I don't have access to because those are only available to certain kinds of media, right? Right. Um, so I have to put that we're media. And then I have to put, was I, was I charged with reviewing this? You know, like, was did my yeah. boss, my media owner say, you have to review this book? Um, and I have to disclose all of that over on NetGalley. Um, and I, it's like five extra steps after you put in your review, but I wish that we had to do that on Goodreads, you know, like you have to do a captcha. Maybe I have to put, yeah. you know, who am I? What type of reviewer am I? Because again, then you would be able to weed out the people that are actually reviewing the book for purpose of reviewing the book and the people that are just out there, you know, yes, are they bringing about valid, you know, um, awareness? Sure. You know, thank you for letting us know that this author is a bully. Thank you for letting us know that this author is, you know, has misbehaved. Um, but that shouldn't go into their star average. Right. Uh, yeah. Um, so one of the things that has started to happen, and I don't know how I feel about this. I was actually talking to Gigi Reads Romance, and she's a good friend and supporter of our Corset and Crown podcast. Um, but she has big opinions on authors and reviewer spaces, right? Like, she could give me a run for my money. Um, so Gigi was saying that one of the things that really bugs her are authors pulling older books and revising them to appease current readers. So a book from six, seven, eight years ago, they're pulling rewriting because maybe there wasn't enough maybe consent wasn't clear or maybe they didn't use condoms or something um or maybe they used words that five years ago we did use you know we've talked about phrasing of like um you know a wheelchair user versus the term wheelchair bound right, right? yeah um and that's part of society and growth and moving forward and understanding Gigi doesn't like that people are going back and revising these older books. She does not like this. And I do not disagree with her, which this might not be very popular. But because I, just a minute, like for clarification, like, so we're talking about an author revising their own work. Yes. Okay. Yeah. They're revising an older book because there was something in it problematic. Okay. Maybe they used, um, well, we saw it with Kate Stewart. Yeah. That's right. She, um, but she did not go back and revise. No, she did not. She doubled down and said the language is fine. Now that book was what? Only a year old? Two no, years old? that was, that book was over five years old. So that book was over five years old. People were demanding she take it down for sale and that she revise it and remove words. Now, so that book was five years old. Do I believe that she is the same person that she was five years ago when she wrote that book. No, I would hope that if she wrote a new book now, that she would learn. And that's, I mean, with that book, that's part of the reason it got like seen because she wrote a second Jed book to that book. Um, so I think more people then were reading the first book. So it got caught, which right. it didn't get caught five years ago, or at least not in like such a, viral way right and that's just it we have book talk and things little things can go viral and you it spins out of control and you as an author 
have to make the decision, do I double down? Do I simply just pull it from sale completely? Or do I let it ride and say, but wait, I'm not that person anymore. I wrote better. I'm sorry about that book, but I know better now. Read this book. I mean, I guess we'd have to decide. Now, in that book, she's a racist. Do I now think that she should always be labeled as a racist? Yes, because she hasn't proven that she's not. I could see that. I mean... But so in a situation like that, do you think the author, should she pull it? First of all, should she have pulled it down and revised it? Do you think? I'm not sure that was necessary. Like looking at it from a literary point of view, like, I mean, so many of the great works are very racist, homophobic. Yeah. I mean, anything you can think of, like it's in there, right? Yeah. And so I don't know that the answer was to pull it down. I think the answer would have been for her to apologize. Right. Sincerely. And to be like, I am going to do better. But leave that work as it stands so that we have a reference on how you can do and be better. Yes. In my opinion. Um, uh, yeah, that that would be my opinion as well. Like, it, you can see the growth of an author through through their works, right? Um, so yeah, just say, hey, yeah, I messed up here. I'm sorry. There was a book that I read back in probably, well, it was either late 2019 or early 2020. And the book was cute. I really liked it. It was a rock star romance with a fantastic meet cute funny, funny scenes. It kind of had a rom-commy feel to it, but I really enjoyed the book. But then I started thinking about it and the main character, her best friend was, um, a gay male and he played into all of the gay stereotypes. So very much the Jack of Will and Grace, all of those over the top, gay is gay is gay behaviors and it was incredibly stereotypical like all of them do i think that author should pull that book and redefine it because we now know that you don't need to make the gay character the gay best friend over the top but no i don't think she should pull it but i would hope that maybe this time she writes another gay gay best friend and they're not that ridiculous right show the like spectrum of different personalities yeah yeah because i think of like when we consume other media like that's not always pointed out and like everybody loves like the over top like gay best friend in like a sitcom or um yeah drama yeah you don't see will and grace being the first you know (laughs) seasons being pulled and they just did a re thing of it and jack was just as over the top and ridiculous as he was before right right um so yeah i don't i don't agree with the revising the older books to appease people yeah i I do think that if you use harmful language and harmful words i do think we should apologize but i also think this comes into question the backlist question 
Like if you love an author and you go reading their backlist and it doesn't hold up anymore, how do you handle that? It could change your opinion. Um, I guess it would depend on what it is. Like, yeah, it's a racist slur. It might, it might be like, oh, well, this author is no longer for me. Um, right. But do you like not, I mean, you can't recommend, do you not recommend those books anymore? Because the author doesn't currently write like that, but in the past they did. Well, I would just say, don't read anything. Like, let's just say like 2020, don't read anything that's, person wrote before 2020 yeah yeah it's interesting because there's an author um that previous i had read all of her books um and i really liked them spicy super sexy over the top protective males on the darker side but i think she started writing like 2015 2016 and i really enjoyed her books and her audiobooks are phenomenal but i read her before 2020 And then she kind of went off the deep end. Like she started embracing the very conservative America's great again, you know, definitely some anti-science racist views. Um, And then she sent like an email out to her newsletter subscribers, basically saying that she didn't know how to write and she just kind of lucked into it and haha her life is so great and it's just as easy and anybody can do it sister has a law degree from the university of michigan and was in law review like three different times like girl she has some writing skills yeah 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 (laughs) um the fact that her books took off yeah maybe that was luck but you knew how to write a story you know yeah you've you've read a lot of stories like if you're yeah so she also like um you know embraced the whole 2020 anti-vax thing and social media went full out full force with her thoughts on things and while i did enjoy those books when i read them i will never read her again and i actually started creating a shelf read before 2020 read before 2020 interesting so that i know that especially when we like start pulling books for trope talks and stuff like that i know not to bug with those books if they're on the shelf of 2020 before 2020 because basically those are the books that mm, things are changed we're different now three years later yes um so i was on the tiki talk today uh, and one of the things that I came across on the Tiki Talk was to- Tomes and Textiles. Cannot think of her first name at the moment. I believe uh, it's me. No, maybe not. She is um, a Latinx reviewer who is incredibly intelligent and is all about um, amplifying BIPOC and um minority voices like she talks constantly about books from all walks of life and uh reviews them and stuff like that and she said something today that i had not thought of before 
And she taught, well, what brought it up was she was talking about um, the closing of publishing labels. So Inkyard is a label that is under Harlequin, so part of HarperCollins. It was a YA publishing label that focused on um, under or minority voices, BIPOC authors for YA middle grade. Okay. Underrepresented. Books. Underrepresented. Words are very hard tonight. I'm sorry. That's yes. Right. Underrepresented um, peoples. And um, HarperCollins was very clear that after the strike and they talked about that they were going to have to deplete their workforce by 23% and that things would be closing. The And they fired a lot of people. They've laid off a lot of people. They're reorganizing. But the first thing that's taken the hit is this label that focused solely on marginalized. There's the other word I was looking for. Marginalized voices is the first label they're closing. I'm like, can you do anything more American? Right? So <laughs> let's make it harder. Let's make it harder for marginalized voices to get their books seen. Yeah. And they went on to talk about traditional publishing would be considered a legacy media. Yes. Did you? A, it was a new term for me, but I followed. It made a lot of sense, though. It did. So if we think about who owns these big trad pub books. So Harper Collins is owned by News Corp, who is Rupert Murdoch. That is money that is um, legacy money. Like he is funding generational wealth, right? Like right. he got in publishing from generational wealth and they owned newspapers and they owned publishers and they just keep consolidating everything and creating a bigger and bigger um media company yeah and viacom is another one and they own simon and schuster and you know that's this huge legacy legacy media company and what it is is it's one company that controls all the voices yes so you're not getting diversity. There's another word I was looking for earlier. <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, so you're not, it's going to be very like the right. same. And they're, and they're going to do what has worked, right? Like they have a system, like they didn't make all that money, like on luck. Um, well, and this is part of the reason that I struggle with traditional publishing. Yes. I feel like the stories are all the same. Right. And even, and I, now I do tend to read as much, as many as I can get my hands on, on marginalized authors books that come out of TradPub, be those BIPOC, um, Asian and Island Pacificer, or um, uh, the LGBTQIA. I will always read those and buy those from TradPub, like, because I want to just give voice to those people as much as I humanly possibly can, right? Right. And again, that's the like voting with your dollars. Like you're showing 
I mean, even though you're one person, you're showing like, hey, there's interest in this book. Like, I'm willing to pay money for this book. But I'm not buying the Tessa Bailey books. Not interested. And because her books aren't great and they're whitewashed. I'm not buying the Allie Hazelwood books. I'm not buying the Chloe Lisi books. I'm not buying the Maisie Eddington's books because those voices are the same over and over and over again. There's nothing new or exciting in their books. They're not bringing anything new to the table and I can find a better story from an indie author. I agree. Um, and, you know, I did a TikTok last week. I came across another podcast. Um, the host was over on Twitter bashing indie authors. And I had had a conversation with Lindsay because Lindsay had a bad instant with her knitting reading group where she was recommending a book to someone and someone's like, oh, yeah, you know, can I find that in my bookstore? And Lindsay was like, no, it's in Kindle Unlimited, but you can get the paperback off off of Amazon. She's like, was that indie published? And Lindsay's like, yeah, but it's really great. You should really check it out. I don't read indie books. And again, it's that we look down on indie books that they're not as good as um, traditional published. And that goes back to the legacy, like, the legacy is censoring. They are feeding their narrative and their narrative only. Like, But it also shows the stupidity of some people because I'll bet you bottom dollars she bought um, things we left the knock em out series from Lucy Score because it was a pretty blue cover and she saw it in the bookstore. Right. But that was an indie pub book. It was. It, it was. It just got picked up for distribution. Right. And most people don't know the difference. And they don't. They just see it. Oh, it's in my bookstore. Therefore, it's a real book. If I have to get it off Amazon, it's not a real book. Um, okay. You're stupid. Um, so. Um, okay. So I had had this run in. They were degrading Indie Pub. And it really made me mad. But it also started me thinking, because this is something I usually hype on at the end of the year, and I know you're tired of hearing about it. So, because it goes into the whole, like, let's give validity to the indie author, right? right. And everyone will be like, well, but they're not a New York Times bestselling author. Do you know that some of the most popular sold books, so let's say that the title Sarah's in Love actually sold more books in the U.S. than any other book. But it was indie published and it wasn't part of their curated, curated algorithm. So therefore, it was not ever listed on the New York Times bestseller list. It's Their list is not a bestsellers list. Their list is a very hidden secret society of curated numbers and then they put a list together there is less of value in a new york times best-selling label than there is going over to amazon and seeing what books are sitting at the top of the amazon charts because those are people those are based on money those are based yeah. on page reads and the amount of money and the amount of people buying that book and the USA Today has brought back their bestseller list. Yeah, how, 
have they started already? Um, this will be week three. Okay. And it's curated. It is. Um, I have not seen an indie author listed yet. So. It used to be you had to have sales from two different sources and it was based solely on sales, but you had to have two different sources. So it could be Amazon and like Ingram Sparks, which is a distribution platform for books. Right. Or it could have been. Um, is it like author to author or something like that or authors direct where it records your sales from like Barnes and Noble from other bookstores and stuff like that and Amazon okay. like you had you could ha you had to have two different retail sources so like Kindle Unlimited authors can't, couldn't make the USA Today bestselling list because they were right. they only would have had Amazon unless they were selling paperbacks somewhere so you had to have two two retailers in order to, and then the numbers fed into the USA Today dashboard, and then they would right. Rank and there's people. so many like cracks that like books can fall through to get bought. Like we buy books from directly from authors all the time. Like they're not counting those. No, no. So now USA Today, they're not telling us how they're doing it. Oh, but it, they fun. have said it's a curated list. And so if you, anytime you get a list, like at the end of the year, the Washington Post will come out with the top 10 romance reads of 2023. That's a curated list. And oftentimes the author of that list is going to be an author and they're going to promote the books they had time to read. Yeah. And it's likely going to be their friends or books that are part of the publishing label that they work for, or maybe an author that's within their own agency. Right. So those books, those lists are of no value. You know, the list you should be listening to are the bookstagrammers and the podcasts that are independent that do not work with, with a publisher. Yeah. Cause it may, I mean, it makes sense, right? Like if you're an author, maybe part of your job with an agency is that like you need to read like five books from other authors in the agency well yeah those are the best reads out of 2023 that you read but you read um 20 books from the same like same people right well, and authors are asked to blurb a book. So you're given a book. We talked about this in our blurbs and spoilers right. episode. An author is given a book and said, hey, can you give us a quote about this book? And those are the only books you read that year. You know, um, I was talking to another author recently today, actually, and she was asking if I had read a certain book. And I said, no. And I guess she's been in a really bad reading slump for the last five years. She cannot read contemporary romance. She writes contemporary romance, but she cannot read other contemporary romance. The book she was reading was from a trad pub and it's a trad pub label. It was, it's from forever. And I struggle with their books. I struggle hard with their books <laughs> because I feel like they really just are producing women's fiction they're not romances and they lack editing. They're just not clean. Um, 
And she was like, I picked this book up. I thought it would be great. All the reviews say it's this great emotional read. And she's like, I hated it. And I had to quit it 75%. And she was doing audiobook. And sometimes audiobooks really speak loud for the mistakes because you're hearing yes. them. Yes. Yes. You didn't skim over that sentence. You heard it. <laughs> right. Um, and so she was like, I had I had to quit. And I'm like, yeah, I can't. I Like I said, unless it is a marginalized author or, you know, BIPOC or something like that. If it's Treadpub, I'm probably not reading it. That's fair. I mean, I I've been reading indie basically since I got a Kindle. Well, and people don't realize like Fifty Shades of Grey started out as an indie number. That was an indie right. book. Um, lots of these that are being picked up right now are still technically they're hybrids yes. because they're published independently as ebooks, but now the paperbacks are through the larger companies. So and and again, that's that like corporation piece. Like they wouldn't have like took you like when you mailed your book to them, but they're going to take you once you've already had success because you're a sure thing now. You've done all the work. Yeah. You did all the work. You have a reader base. So now we're just going to help you get your books in a bookstore. Oh, and we're going to make a profit off of you. Exactly. Um, you know, it's really interesting. Um, earlier I was also, I was still on the TikTok, and there was someone talking about a thread from an agent or a trad pub author and a conversation she had had with a friend about how trad pub works for an author and you know shouldn't it be easier for you and she talked about like advances so when i say mm. that a book has been sold to a publisher they don't get that check right away and that advance, you might get a portion of the advance, but you don't get the whole rest of the advance until maybe a year after the book has been published. You don't get the rest of that paycheck. Right. And there's so if, usually like stipulations to getting that. And also an advance is simply that, in advance, which means that if your book doesn't start earning profit, you will not receive another paycheck until the book has paid back your advance. And you would think that this is done for the purpose of making the author's life easier so they can focus on writing the book, right? You would think, but it doesn't. No. It doesn't because what they don't tell you is that TradPub does not market your book for you unless you are what they call one of their front of catalog authors. So like if you go on Goodreads and you see that somebody, that a trad pub book, they're giving away 50 copies of paperbacks in a Goodreads giveaway, right? Huh. That is a sign that that publisher thinks that that's a front of catalog author, that that book is going to help cement their profits for that quarter. And you can watch the Goodreads giveaways and see, like, where publishers are putting their money. Right. Because it's expensive to print books, right? Yeah. And to give away and to ship. Um, but 
if you're not one of the front-of-face premier authors, they aren't doing any marketing for you. Like, I would, you know, you can tell Tessa Bailey works really hard to talk about her books. And she's probably one of the front faces for Avon. I think she's with Avon now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but there, she still has to do all her own marketing. That wasn't in the paper. <laughs> so you're just, it's, it's just not really clear. Right. Like, you know, it may seem like a good deal. Um, Cause I always say like, I would sell out. Like I definitely have a price. Like I would sell out, but if I sell out and I'm still doing the same amount of work, um, I literally sold out like in just for new myself over. Yeah. You know, I really struggle with the whole sellout. I'm a Gen Xer and I am a child of, or I was a young adult in the early nineties and saw many of what I thought, you know, like through the alternative uh, music and you know, all these great indie bands, these indie alternative bands that were coming out of nowhere, you know, singing on college campuses. I mean, I saw Rage Against the Machine in Columbus in a small club, you know, before they got picked up by their label. And I loved them. And they were like, you know, anti-society and, you know, held to the, you know, to the power and, and then, you know, you see them take the big checks right. and you think, why'd you do that? And then the music changes. Yes. And then, yeah. But I think we see that. So I really struggle to understand authors that are like, yeah, I sold my rights to my book. I'm giving it to this publishing. And they're not giving it. They got a paycheck. They got money for those books. But why would you do that and then write and continue to want to write for that? They're going to mute your voice. Yeah. And I've actually, though, I've had a couple authors, um, one in particular, she wrote a Montlake. She's written a couple different Montlake series. And after this last Montlake series, she was very clear that she will never, never sign with a contract again. That's, uh, yeah. They wanted her to use you know, less words. She couldn't use the word fuck. I mean, right. We, we, well, and we've done like quick shots, right. On my, like books and like the trad pub shine. Like, I, yeah, it's literally like they go in there and just like scrub away all the dirty stuff. And they take away the chemistry. They take away the passion of the story. And that's why I read romance and they're destroying it. Um, okay. Is there anything else? Oh, there is one more topic we have to talk about before we move on to the next thing. Okay. Authors and the Amazon three-star review. You knew I couldn't let this one go. No. So first of all, if you're an author listening to the podcast, I need to tell you right now, if I ever... I mean, fucking ever see an author share a thing that says, please don't give me a three-star review because it's termed as a critical review and you're hurting me on my Amazon rating. I am going to either do two, one of two things. I will block you 
I will never read your books. Or I will become the petty bitch that changes all my star reviews to you to two stars. (laughs) And the other thing I need to say to my fellow readers, if an author says this to you, if they say, hey, the three star review is not good for us, it hurts us. It is more harmful than a two star review. Consider giving them a two star then. See how hurtful that is. Yeah. If you this, can only go two from each side of the spectrum and threes aren't allowed. This bad. guilt that authors yes. are trying to lay on reviewers. How many posts a day do you see from an author? Like how to help an indie author or how to support your indie author, how to support an author Give them a review. Okay, you want a review. You want me to review a product that I already paid for. Then I get to review it honestly. You don't get to tell me how to review. You know why? That's illegal. Yep. But also stop trying to manipulate us. Right. It's the the guilt. Like, oh, just. Yeah, it's not about you. (laughs) Reviews are not for authors. And I'm sorry if you think that it hurts you. Because I've heard from authors that supposedly it prevents them from doing advertising on Amazon. All I have seen is that it lowers their rating. And in order to find the three-star review marked as a critical review, you have to go filtering for it. It doesn't just... Yeah, it doesn't pop up like it's I mean, if I'm going to read review, I don't read a lot of reviews. Um, But if I do, like I scroll down and it's like the first like four or five, unless like those like say something really off the wall, then I'm like, oh, I need to investigate this a little further. And Um, to be honest, I go to the three and the two star reviews. Those are the reviews I believe. I rarely will read reviews for a new release because no offense, authors, I don't believe your arc teams because I have seen the list of demands that you give people in what they are allowed and not allowed to put in a review. And I, so I have no faith. Right. And it goes back to that guilt. Like if you're on an arc team and you give them a three and then they're like, well, you don't get any arcs anymore. Well, just because I didn't, love this book doesn't mean I won't love the next one but now you've like created this tension between our author reader relationship and I'm not sure how I feel like about reading books it's very hard for me to engage on social media with authors I really struggle I know lots of people drop into author dms and are like oh my god I loved your book it was so great I really struggle with this, and I know that it probably would make my side hustle of beta reading, arc reading, proofreading, you know, developmental edits and stuff to make connections. Like, it would be beneficial for me to have those friendly connections with authors, right? Because then they would think of me when they need those services. But I don't do well blowing smoke up anybody's ass. Because... Yeah, like as you were saying that, like 
I can think of like me, I've maybe dropped in the DMs of an author like two or three times. And it's usually something that like hits close to home for me. And like, they've done it well. And it's just like one line, like, Hey, you, you did a really good depiction of X, Y, Z. Thank you. Yeah. And that's well, like I emailed Maggie Gates about the book, what heals us. There were things that were very personal to me in that book that just hit in a very specific way. Um, And I needed her to know, one, thank you. And two, kudos for writing an amazing story, right? Right. Um, But like I recently read the new, there's a new release coming. So this drops on the 30th, I think. Sounds right. Yeah. Yeah, July 30th. So so your Bennett has a book that comes out on August 1st. And I talk to Sawyer Bennett probably daily, right? Like, because I, you know, do work and we have some projects going on together and stuff. But I don't go into her DMs and be like, oh, my God, I just loved mm-hmm. Camden. And I did. I really liked that book. It's really great. Um, but... I I don't know what the boundary is there. Because if I didn't love the book and she sent it to me, is she going to, you know, like every time right. I read her book, am I expected to be in her DM saying, oh, my God, I loved it. And I really didn't. I mean. Right. Well, and authors don't like they don't owe us accessibility. Right. Right. Like. They don't need to be accessible to us. I agree with that. You know, and that's just, that's a, that's a really great point because reviews are for readers, but also there's a boundary there that I should not be in an author's DM telling them when I think they stunk up a book. Right. They don't want those. And I know that like, there's an author that has been very clear. She hates monthly roundups and she does not want to be tagged in any three star or below reviews, right? Or monthly roundups. If you give her a three star, she does not want to be tagged. And that's respectful. I don't think you should tag authors in reviews, period. Even if you give it five stars, we personally do not. Like if you listen to our quick shots, I do not tag authors in our quick shots. You know why? Those reviews are not for them. If they come across it, great. Hope they listen. But sometimes we would do quick shots that are not, yeah, we don't always like yeah love the book so um i don't know where i was going with this but this author does not want to be tagged in any three-star reviews right okay. and she made a big statement on social media and said that she would be very block happy as it is the end of the month okay you know so- in instagram you can turn off your tags yeah, so, instead of alienating like a whole group of people. So instead of saying every three-star review is a bad review, I consider them bad reviews. I never want to see three-star reviews. Do not tag me in three-star reviews. But hey, if you love me, I need to see those. Right. She could have taken the extra step and just said, for the next seven days, my tags will be turned off. Please do not tag me. In your monthly roundups. She could do that. She could just turn it off for a limited amount of time and then turn it back on. Yeah. Yeah. 
And and I don't understand that. I it's fine to put a boundary out, but don't put a boundary out with stipulations. Yeah. Yeah. Just make it a clear boundary. Well, and if 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 it that's the boundary, that's your responsibility, right? Right. Don't look at your well, tags. Hand hand your social media at the end of the month over to your PA cuz I know she's got one. And go. tell them, "Hey, you're in charge of this for the next, you know, five days. Yeah. Anyway, is there any other things we need to talk about? We covered a lot. We did cover a lot. Um, okay. So it's now that time, Jenny. It is four. four. Book uh, of the uh, week. week. Okay. It's book of the week time. Jenny, what's your book of the week? Uh, I am reading Anti-Hero by Sarah Kate at the moment. I am, okay. I'm working my way through it. Okay. It's it's, it's not my favorite. Okay. It's not the worst. Okay. We'll see where it goes. Okay. Um, and you guys can check out reviews on our website and maybe we'll have a should you read it for it. Um, my book of the week. Okay, so I picked up Sienna Snow. She's been on my TBR for a long time. I read a book by her because we had her on our very first readathon. Mm. But I hadn't been back. And I was like, hmm, Heather and I are doing some research to do an episode about, you know, other types of clubs that aren't book clubs. And I came across this book because there's that other type of club in this book. It's a sex club. Um, it's called Masters of Sin. It's her Gods of Vegas book one. So freaking good. Spice. So much spice. There was a little underlying um, like intrigue, corporate intrigue, but it wasn't quite mafia. It was mafia-esque, but it wasn't really dark. There wasn't a lot of violence. It was only like 284 pages, so it was fast. And I think you would like it because these are technically kind of friends to lovers, family friends to lovers, age gap. He has been longing for her for a long time, and she's had a crush on him for a long time. But when they make the decision to be together, they make the decision <laughs> to be together. There's none of this like, I can't. It'll ruin our friendship. Right. Instead, he gives her a warning. If she goes, like... If she goes upstairs, she's not like, this is not a one and done. So if you aren't sure, then you need to go to this other room. Hmm. Anyway, so much oh. spice. <laughs> That's what I'm reading next because I don't have a book up next. Oh, it's so good. So, so good. Okay. Um, we need to talk about newsletters. Uh because so Buzzing About Romance has a newsletter. We send it out when we have events or when we have um, just to keep you up to date on all the things we have going on. Uh, but we have another newsletter and it is our pour over newsletter. This is the perfect newsletter for those living the bookish lifestyle. We provide recipes, product reviews, curated TBRs, watch lists for movies and TV. And this goes out on the first of the month and August I did the Lord's work for y'all 
I reviewed cases and the pop socket versus no pop socket. And I even went to the extreme of some other things. You bought it all, guys. I did. I bought it all. <laughs> and I will have an in-depth review of my thoughts on all the different cases. And even, like... If I were to go the pop socket route, what would be the way that works? Just telling you. So you are going to want to check out that newsletter. You can sign up for it on our website and it will be delivered to your inbox on the first of each month. Um, and again, it's embracing the bookish lifestyle and we give tips and tricks and hints and gadgets you might be thinking about buying and we'll let you know whether or not it's worth it. Right? Yeah. I mean, reading should always be comforting right physically we and mentally we talked about we reviewed the lap pillow we reviewed the page clicker i think we've done that one so we got all sorts of good stuff up there um patreon update swag packs are headed out this week i'm so excited oh actually swag packs have been out august swag packs will go out on august 5th um i'm July's Swag Pack sponsors were Susan Stoker, Gina Azee, and Kaylee Ryan. This was a gigantic Swag Pack for um, July. And August's is not, is not exactly for wimps. We have Melissa Foster, Kennedy Mitchell, and I think there's a little surprise in there from Melanie Moreland also in um, our August Swag Pack, you guys. So... These go out on the 5th of every month. This is a perk that kicks in the moment you uh, join. So today is July 31st. If you join today, I will send you July swag pack. I will also send you August swag pack. So it is worth joining. Uh, the other thing that I want to talk about is we did have to do some adjustment on um, the Patreon costs. So make sure you check that out when you go over there to look at that. We had to kind of make some adjustments just because we've had the same price since we started Patreon in October of 2020 and shit's getting more expensive. Um, anyway, swag packs go out to fancy drinks, cold brew and queen bee tier. We still have fun buzzing about romance, uh, exclusive, sometimes stickers, mood reading cards, uh, reader lists, all sorts of fun things. And they are mailed monthly on the fifth of the month. We do ship these internationally. There is no wait time on this perk. It kicks in as soon as you join. All members of the Patreon get exclusive episodes also, like Should You Read It? And I just did one today on a very popular title. So that will be hitting your feeds in the coming weeks. And also... Buzzing Book Club. And August Buzzing Book Club is author Aurora Rose Reynolds. We are reading For Never, which is a really great summer uh, close proximity vacation fling romance. And there's kind of a grumpy granny in it. And then I like the granny. I love the grannies. Um, give me a grandma that's grumpy. I'm in it, right? <laughs> you are. <laughs> and then... We will start uh, this week voting for our September Buzzing About Romance mm -hmm. book club pick. And author Melanie Moreland will be joining us for September. We had her last year and she sent me a message and was like, 
can I please come back? Because I really like you guys. And I had so much fun. <laughs> she's just the cutest. It's she so is. sweet. She's wonderful. Um, so you are absolutely going to want to check out um, our website for all of our book club information. And then you can also find a list of all of our events at bookcaseandcoffee.com, including happy hours, IG lives, and book clubs. Also, if you didn't know, Buzzing About Romance is going to our very first signing as a podcast. Uh, we'll be at the HEA Readers event in Indianapolis, Indiana, the weekend of November the 3rd. Tickets are still available. You can find a link to purchase on our website. Um, and we are going to have some fun stuff, people. You are not going to want to miss this. Um, Friday night, when you're coming in, we're going to have a cocktail and some exclusive buzzing things. And then Saturday night after the signing, if you're sticking around, we are going to host a buzzing about romance game night. And I promise lots of fun. Like, I'm thinking like Wheel of Fortune. Like, do I have to spell things? But like a big wheel of prizes. Oh, okay. Don't you think? Like, yeah, that would be fun. Wouldn't it? Anyway, there's going to be so much fun stuff happening, you guys. You are not going to want to miss out on the HEA Readers event. We're excited to be going. Um, I think that's all the things. We got a slumber party coming up. Well, that slumber party will already have happened. Oh, it will. Yeah. Yeah. Well, maybe so, you guys are still alive today. Yeah. Summer uh, <laughs> summer reading challenges come to an end. Uh, we did move Readathon. It's usually over Labor Day weekend, but Jenny and I are traveling the week of Labor Day to Louisville, Kentucky for Readers on the River. And um, I decided just life and time that we are putting Readathon is going to be the Friday after Thanksgiving. So you get shopping done in the morning and then we'll be done in the afternoon and you can come hang out with us and talk romance books. So anyway, I think that's all the things. Um, Jenny, thank you so much for joining me. You're welcome. Until next time, everyone. Happy reading. Find us on Instagram at buzzing about romance or on Twitter at buzzing romance. If you like the podcast, please leave a review. If you'd like to support us directly, join the Bookcase and Coffee Patreon and receive exclusive content only available to Patreon members. Check out bookcaseandcoffee.com for our on-the-shelf show notes.